I do not buy dreams. I sell them. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Flagrant Take Podcast. I am your host, Fred Johnson, and with me tonight, a blast from the past, uh, the person who was with me when I first began this journey of, uh, of podcasting. And, uh, you know, throughout time, we really became adults and just basically grew up and <laughs> had to do adult stuff. Yeah, so we had to, you know, kind of put the podcast thing to the side, man. But by no means was that ever indicative of, of our relationship nor our our uh, enjoyment that we have when talking the game of basketball. So it is an honor to have him back joining me one night only, hopefully more as the season goes on. But my good friend, Jim, how you doing, brother? Oh, man. I know. I heard the palm rub. You got the Birdman palm rub. You're ready to dive back into this, man. It's been far too long, bro. Hey man, what can I say, dog? The the best that my credit card would allow me to buy back in the days. <laughs> um, did, you know that, did you know that I'm going to go straight into it? Let's get did it. Did you know that they, got, they put uh, Siakam in? I thought Derrick Rose was going to be part of the Eastern Conference uh, the starters? starting lineup. Yeah. Well, they've changed the way that the vote goes. Oh, yeah, by the way, guys, just so you know, if it's me and Jim, you know it is basketball all day long. So <laughs> if this isn't your jam, you're welcome to listen to some podcasts with my wife where we talk about family stuff, my guest cast where we talk about other stuff, but we are getting back into what the essence of flagrant take began as, and that is a basketball podcast. And so, yes, the all-star starters were revealed. We'll start with the East. Pascal Siakam, we had uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kumpo, who was voted in as the captain of the team. Let me go ahead and get the rest of my my notes here, man. Like I said, Jim wasted no time jumping into this, brother. You got him right in front of you. Yeah, I got it on the ESPN. Uh, Hit story. me. I just, I, I, it's on, it, they usually let it out on uh, TNT, right? They make a big spectacle out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was during the uh, the pregame show. But let me get back to the notes in regards to the people who were all named. Uh, yeah. all-star starters this year. Um, in regards to the East, Eastern Conference, that's going to be manned up by uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was named captain of the team. We already named Pascal Siakam. Uh, let me get the rest of the names here who were also voted into that top five. Goodness gracious, man. Um, I think they had Alex, your boy, from the, tr- well, this is the west side, but they got the Alex uh, Caruso guy, too, as a starter. The, that didn't happen. They Thankfully, and this is, again, this is all about the fact that they have now uh, trimmed the, that, they, uh, the voting structure of it. They definitely changed the voting structure of it. So, all right, here we go, man. East Con- Eastern Conference right now. Kimball Walker, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid, and, of course, the captain, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Kimball Walker, that's just showing you the influence of Boston right there, right? Now playing in a larger market, no longer in Charlotte. Trey Young is interesting right now because, you know, the talk is always do you reward good players who are putting up big numbers on losing teams. I mean, the debate right now will be whether Zach Levine will be a all-star reserve or not. I mean, with the game being in Chicago, I can see him ultimately making the team. But where do you stand on that, players who put up big numbers on losing teams? I mean, he's had an amazing year, and I have to be a little biased because I have Trey Young in both of my fantasy teams. Okay. Uh, but the one thing, uh, he's had an incredible year, but he, they've only won, I think, 11 games. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but 
you know, I it's not. A, I don't think it's a good thing. I think they should have had someone from Miami there. Uh, maybe Jimmy Butler. You know, you always want to reward winning. Absolutely. It depends on who you are. Like, I think some people would want rather see Trey Young, who's had a phenomenal year, but it's an 11 win Atlanta Hawk team. You know, right. But, I think they should have had uh, Jimmy Butler or, I wouldn't say none, the rookie, but uh, this guy, uh, what's his name, Bam? Yeah, Bam Adebayo. He's been really good, but I think he'd probably be in the bench, but I, I definitely put Butler in there. He made a huge impact on the Miami Heat. Which is shocking, right? Because you would think Miami is a, a, a sexy enough market. That team right now is currently with the second best record in the Eastern Conference, seven and a half back of Milwaukee, which there's going to be no catching Milwaukee. But yes, yeah. Trey Young voted in a starter, but his Atlanta Hawks have an East worst eleven and thirty four record. Yeah, so I think it has to be. I think what you said about the restructuring with the votership. I think the players have some insight into who gets voted in. So. Either the, the opponents that he's playing against really respect his game, uh, and they overshadow the you know the win loss record, and that's what it seems like in this. Because a lot of these other, all these other, the rest of the four players that you just mentioned are all from winning teams, right? For the a- most part, let me a- look at the record. Absolutely. See, interesting fact right here: the top four teams in the Eastern Conference: number one seed Milwaukee, number two seed yeah. Miami, number three Toronto, number four Boston. Three of those four teams, star players, were voted into the all-star starting lineup. Jimmy Butler, of course, not being the star. Giannis, yeah. Pascal Siakam, and Kimball Walker, of course, being voted in. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, hopefully they'll get some uh, Pacers in there, too, maybe. Uh, I don't know if T.J. Warren deserves it, but I think uh, that guy, Sabonis' son, Oh Demonis, yeah, I think his name is. Demonis, uh, he yeah. deserves it. I think he's had a, I think he's had a 17 points and 13 rebounds a game with like four assists. So he's been really rock solid for the Pacers. Yeah, and uh, he's really um, overtaken the uh, forward position and taken minutes away from Miles uh, Turner, who's been I think a little bit more injured or just not as mobile as he was in the past. And a lot of talk had been would they split those two up and end up moving one of them, but it appears that they're going to keep them both and see how the team pans out once Victor Oladipo comes back from his injury. Exactly. So uh, hopefully, Victor, the thing about Victor Oladipo is he's been constantly injured. So uh, this Pacers team is never in like the full state of mind. But right now, you know, they're twenty nine to sixteen. They're doing pretty good without him. So, and it's probably because of Brogdon and a lot yeah. of these other people that have stepped up on the team. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and uh, swing it to the Western Conference in regards to the starting lineup that was voted in by that. Now, that team's obviously going to have the captain be LeBron James. So you have Greek Greek Freak and LeBron James, captains of the team. Um, And then in regards to the Western Conference starting lineup, you have uh, James Harden. You have Anthony Davis. You have... Uh, LeBron James, aforementioned, and I am trying to get my link back open. See, a lot of people think we don't do research. I absolute, I, I did, actually. Here we go. <laughs> we have LeBron James, we have Luka Doncic, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Now, if you're Paul George, let, let me have a brief aside with this. Who thought going to LA would raise his profile would automatically put him in this superstar range? Are you feeling the kind of way that Luka Doncic is the one who beats you out on this All Star lineup, starting lineup? I mean, he's had an incredible year. I don't think anyone thought that he would jump the way he did. So I don't see anything wrong with this because he had a great, crazy jump. I don't. I wouldn't say most improved, but 
I don't. I thought uh, the product that he's bringing out on the court right now would uh, occur maybe two, three years down the line. No one thought he would jump this this much, you know. And I think some people were hesitant on whether he's like a you know a, a second, like a sidestep. Maybe he would be a compliment to Kristaps Porzingis, but he wasn't. He's actually leading the team, scoring at a mind-numbing pace, triple doubles here and there. So. He shocked the league so far this year. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's rather interesting that you have both Trey Young and Luka Doncic starting for their respective conferences when there was so much of a debate that a lot of people believed, if you ask the Bill Simmons of the world, that this was clearly a one-sided trade that benefited the Dallas Mavericks. Now, granted... Obviously, the Mavericks are are winning at a much higher clip. They will most likely be a low-seed playoff team in the West uh, versus where the Atlanta Hawks are. But as far as being player for player, they seem to actually be living up to the hype in which was presented with them coming into the league. Yeah, both of them have been doing a great job. They've uh, really set themselves up in their success of their team uh, on both sides, except one, obviously, Doncic is leading the Mavs in a plus 500 team, and Young, I'm sure he'll turn it around, but I don't think anyone uh, thought he'd be as good as he is right now. So, uh, to be honest with you, that, that trade right now is a wash, but Doncic probably has the edge right now because his team's playing a lot better. I and agree. he's been getting a lot more fanfare from the fans, the media, et cetera, et cetera. But I have no problem with the West lineup right now, and the Lakers are top of the West, so. Um, I have no problem with it. I'm, I wish the Jazz had uh, some players in it, but I can't imagine who would you replace, like Don Mitchell, but Mitchell's more of a scorer, right? So I don't know who you'd uh, replace the res- for the, the Jazz. So. The reserves are going to be interesting once they are announced yeah. here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the starting lineups, I don't think there's... There's too much of a surprise. I mean, when you look at the star power on the West, it's pretty obvious. I mean, obviously, Luka, as you stated in regards to his mind-numbing numbers, but obviously having a country of Slovenia behind you and really pushing you because he appears to be the new guy picking up the mantle where Dirk Nowitzki left off as that European player with that international appeal that's gaining the respect of the American fan base as well as the the American players. Yeah, and so. Started. Do you have any issue with it? I mean, I'm sure you're happy with the Lakers. Oh yeah, forty percent of the lineup. So. <laughs> I'll take it, man. And that's what I meant in regards to you know Paul George, who most likely will be named as a as an All Star reserve. But you know, it's just interesting now when I look at certain players who didn't make it, and you know, I wonder right now the. Is this a changing of the guard in regards to the guards out West? You know, with Steph Curry being injured, Russell Westbrook apparently, you know, kind of aging himself out of that superstar phase. Chris Paul, who actually I view, I feel should be an all-star reserve this year and, and quite frankly is a dark horse. I mean, his play with Oklahoma City oh, this definitely. year and, and how he's galvanized that team has really, I think, uh, uh, rehabilitated whatever you know, people felt he was or whatever misconceptions or misnomers there were about him as a teammate and a leader. Um, I think he's really putting that all to rest this year with his play with OKC. Um, But, you know, obviously this time of year is really cool because not just with all-star announcements, but obviously we're closing in on the trade deadline, which will be here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, this is a, a really strange year. You know, we just mentioned Chris Paul in Oklahoma City, who coming into this season, a lot of people wonder 
wondered, would Chris Paul actually still be on the roster at this point in time? Is this team really just kind of mailing it in? And, and, you know, they have five draft picks that they acquired from the Clippers in the Paul George trade. Were they just going to go the route of the rebuild? Um, when you look at this this upcoming trade deadline, you know, I'm going to throw a couple names out you out at you and and see what your thoughts are in regards to do you see them staying or going. Um and and first and foremost, I think we need to start off with the Cleveland Cavaliers who, I mean, from you know, up until this point have been a team that's been in disarray with veteran players who have pretty much thrown in the towel on on first-year head coach Jim Bayline and um you know, you look at Kevin Love, whose name has come up in a lot of trade rumors, uh, most notable with, you know, Portland Trailblazers as he would be returning back to the Pacific Northwest. Where do you see Kevin Love going, if anywhere, at the deadline? Kevin Love, um, I could see him going to Charlotte. They have some pieces. Um, I can also see him going to Dallas. I think Dwight Powell, and I'm just reading this right now, so yeah. uh, Dwight Powell just suffered a right uh, Achilles injury on Tuesday, so I can see Dallas entertaining it with. So maybe you can have like a Przingis, Love, Doncic. Uh, I don't know how they would swing it, but they'd have to put some, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Seth Curry. You know, I don't know if they would take it, but. I don't know how desperate also the Cleveland Cavaliers are. I think Kevin Love's been trying to do a better job of being a better teammate after uh, a little bit of a hiccup earlier in the year. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I can't – outside of those, I'm trying to look at forward, people that need forwards, not really an offensive forward that can really uh, stretch out the floor. What do you think? No, absolutely, man. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, whether or not a team's going to be a buyer or a seller, I, I look with, you know, what, what – benefits could be given on either end and when I came to this decision I I see Kevin Love potentially as a dark horse trade partner being uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder for Danilo Gallinari and I say that because Danilo's an expiring contract which of course is attractive but OKC is a team that you know if nothing if we've learned nothing else in the aftermath of James Harden, KD and Russell being there and being broken up that team in that city are really lock and step, and they love to be able to latch on to something. They know they may never be an NBA champion, but if they can really connect with the team, that's like all the more for them as an organization. And, you know, with young players like, you know, Shea Giltress Alexander, Darius Beasley, you know, you still have crowd favorites there and Steven Adams. And then you have this veteran in Chris Paul who's really galvanizing it and making it all work. But if you bring in a guy like Kevin Love, another battle-tested player, who can still get you 20 points and 10 rebounds on any given night, but another guy who can, you know, get his own shot, who's a phenomenal passer and a great rebounder, you know, it still gives them an element that keeps them competitive and at least allows for them to, you know, uh, you know, increase their chances of holding on to a, uh, a playoff spot there at the, the bottom of the West. And I mean, not... In, in, yeah, no, I mean, that sounds uh, good to piggyback off of you. Uh, do you think the Schroeder and Gallinari 
I don't. I think Schroeder they actually want to keep. Um, yeah. Just with his ability as a six-man to still create his own shot. I mean, he came off the bench and actually hit some big shots in the recent game for them against um, Houston. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, he kind of went toe-to-toe with Russell Westbrook a little bit, which was awesome to see. So I really think that OKC can make a move like this, and I know people will look at the contracts of both Kevin Love and Chris Paul in the aftermath of this trade, but that actually serves OKC's purpose. You just need to have star players there that the fan base will gravitate towards and Chris Paul and Kevin Love are extremely likable, bankable guys that they know they could still market their team around. And I think it'll probably bolster, I think they have 26 wins right now and they're both uh, 500, I think it'll, it'll bolster them for the second half of the year to be more competitive in the stacked West. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as we talk about Cleveland, you know, another move to watch will be the potential buyout of Tristan Thompson. He's in a contract year, making 18 mil this year. As we get to the halfway point, he's a guy that, you know, may not generate any interest on the trade market. But as far as once he's bought out, I mean, he'll be a player that's in high demand. I mean, I'm I could see a team like, of course, he's a clutch player rep by Maverick, Maverick Carter. But. Um, you know, so you look at teams like the Lakers, teams like the Clippers, you know, a team that could be in need of a big man, Dallas, even as we talked about them potentially trading for Kevin Love, but looking for a big man to help fill a role to do the dirty work who can get them anywhere from 16 and 10 on a given night to 10 and 10, but not be someone who complains about his role. Um, you know, he's going to be an interesting name. You know, once we get to the to the trade deadline and then ultimately the buyout market. But I had a surprise blockbuster trade that I wanted to run by you. Uh, and it's from uh, it's going to involve three teams, two of which we've actually already talked about, you know, uh, to some extent already. But it's going to involve the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs. And, you know, as we look at the Spurs right now, who just moved into the eighth seed in the playoffs, I mean, they're a middling team, borderline playoff. At this point in time, nobody really knows the future of Popovich and what he's going to do. Um, but I think at this point in time, it's it's an opportunity to sell off the assets that you may have under contract for some time in an effort to accrue some draft picks. You've already locked up DeJounte Murray long term. Derek White's still an interesting player. But I wanted to, to bring up a trade here that might help them uh, as they continue to move forward. And that would be San Antonio parting with both DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge in this trade where basically San Antonio would be trading DeMar DeRozan to the Clippers as the Clippers look to increase their star power and build their own big three that would now boast DeMar DeRozan. It would boast the Claw, Kawhi Leonard, PG-13. And then again, talking about a Tristan Thompson buyout, you know, you look at a player who could have some interest to them because basically I would have the Clippers giving up Montrez Harrell, which I know is controversial. He's in a contract year. But I wonder if he's a player they're going to want to invest long-term in because Kawhi Leonard has the option of being able to opt out of his contract at the end of next season, Paul George as well. And if for some reason this goes south, if you re-sign a Montrez Harrell to a long-term four-year deal to big money and say you no longer are a team contending for a championship, I just don't quite know where that piece fits. Um so this is what I have right now. I have the LA Clippers giving up Montrez Harrell, Evita Zubox, 
and Mo Harkless's expiring contract, trading them to the San Antonio Spurs. The Clippers would then acquire DeMar DeRozan. I have the San Antonio Spurs also trading LaMarcus Aldridge to the Miami Heat. And in return, they would get uh, Gordon Dragic's expiring contract as well as Myers Leonard expiring contract. And this is also because, you know, Miami has the draft capital to be able to make up for what the Clippers don't have as far as draft capital, uh, since a lot of their picks went to Oklahoma City with that trade. But what this looks at now, as we shake it, you know, as we, you know, move, try to flesh this out some more, you're looking at a team that could have an end of the game lineup with, you know, Tristan Thompson, The Claw, PG, DeMar DeRozan, and Sweet Lou to end games if you're looking at the Clippers. And if you're looking at the Miami Heat, you now look at a team that could boast LaMarcus Aldridge, Bam Adebayo, who you mentioned earlier, and then Jimmy Butler and a Tyler Hero. And I look at Miami, they're a team that can make a trade, you know, in addition to this, they look at, you know, as we look at Andre Iguodala with Memphis, who Memphis is still trying to move off of their books. And they seem to be adamant about not, not wanting to buy out as he's in the final year of his deal, paying him 17 mil. And so, you know, Miami has the contracts of Deion Waiters and Kelly Olynyk that I could see them moving out and then, you know, trying to to make a deal to bring in Andre Iguodala. And so now you look at a team that could boast, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, Bam Adebayo, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero to uh, to end games. And that's a pretty formidable lineup, especially if you're trying to compete with Milwaukee, who's coming with size and shooting. No, I agree with you. I think this is, this is a pretty solid uh, trade deal because the Clips, I mean, as you said, it's like Kawhi Leonard already left Toronto in one year. Right. Uh, so they're probably going to put all their ducks for this year because the way the NBA players move out into the other teams, it's like it seems like it's Russian roulette. Oh you know, yeah. Constantly, they're just—it's a revolving door, and they're constantly just moving out, in and out. But even though it's safe to say that George and Leonard might be there for a long term, it—if this season doesn't pan out, uh, it, which I think it will, based on like Rivers just appeasing like the load management and everything like that. But that deal with the three-headed monster, like Rosen, George, along with uh, Kawhi Leonard, that sounds like a decent, a pretty good deal. I can't imagine the Clippers getting rid of Harrell because he's been like so good for them as a sixth man. He has been, but here's the one thing that I felt he really overstepped his boundaries. About a month ago, when that team was struggling and you know a lot of people were criticizing the fact that they were going so heavy with the load management, Paul George and Kawhi don't play back-to-backs, and they had dropped a couple of games. Montrez Harrell was the one who actually spoke up in the locker room and spoke to the issues of chemistry that were going on within that locker room, and it came out in the Bleacher Report today in regards to Doc Rivers ripped him for that and you know he, you know, when you look at that team he's the least battle tested of all of them of the Pat Beverly's of the Lou Williams Kawhi Leonard's and Paul George's so I still think that there's a lot that he needs to learn in regards to maturity and while he brings a lot of energy and excitement as far as productivity that's something that can be replaced by a guy like Tristan Thompson who is more battle tested and a champion in this league so then you got uh, so you got Tristan Thompson coming back as a buyout and going to the Eclipse, and then you said 
Powell and Zubash to Spurs, and then you got Aldridge, which who brings experience to the Miami Heat, yep. and already uh, pretty strong Miami Heat right now. Exactly. Uh, some presence, which will complement well with Bam, Tyler Hero, uh, Kendrick Nunn. So, uh, yeah, I could see that being a good deal. And the Spurs get a salary dump with Dragic, who actually played for the Spurs back when, and Myers Leonard. Well, so, yeah, it, it's a pretty solid deal. You really thought about this. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried to shake it up, man, as best as I could. And, you know, before we get out of here, I, I want you to keep your uh, future prognosticator hat on. Uh, as I went ahead and, and tried to predict the 2020 NBA awards that'll be coming up here at the end of the year. Um, and, and so I wanted to, to pick your brain on this for rookie of the year. I, I mean, you got a good one up there in Madison Square Garden. He missed uh, he missed the game last night against my Lakers and R.J. Barrett. And, R.J., I and, love him. I mean, we saw the return of Zion last night, but obviously, I mean, it's going to be such a truncated body of work. I don't even think we'll be able to really see him make the impact that will warrant he had him. a good fourth quarter, though, I got to say. I mean, he had a phenomenal fourth quarter, and it's going to be interesting because you saw Alvin Gentry tried to take him out at least – five different times in that fourth quarter. I know. And they it was, he was having a target hard time. Oh, he, I mean, he was shaking his head with every made shot. It was almost as if he was rooting for Zion to miss a shot and they could get, get a dead out. ball to get him out of the game. Yeah. You know, but so. that's that's unfortunate. But it was definitely uh, encouraging to see him have quite a, quite the debut. But my rookie of the year, man, John Morant of the yep. Memphis Grizzlies. I second agree. pick out of Murray State. I mean, this kid has been... Nothing short of electrifying. Uh, I'm a little disappointed he didn't join the slam dunk competition. He rejected the invitation. No, nah, I mean he, you know, he he knows he's he's hit the league in such a storm. I feel like it's too, it's not a good uh, look for him in his his own opinion. You now he doesn't want to get injured or anything. He's having a solid year, 18 points, seven assists. I think he's close, shooting close to 50 percent from the field, 40 and. 40% from three, 80% from the free throw line. So he's, he feels like, you know, he's made it or he's in the star in the making, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and so I don't, I don't feel like he wants to take that, you know, step back. Like Zach Levine, I think they wanted him in the dunk contest, but Zach Levine's already up there too. He's high off of his own, you know, performance this year. He's like, nah, I'm, I don't want to do dunking anymore because he doesn't want to be known as a dunker. He wants to be known as a, a complete player. player. Just like every other player in the league, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, this most improved player award, man, I, I know we reached out to our good friend Richie. I want I got to get him on here because I know he might have a little something to say being a big Hornets fan and the player of uh, Devontae Graham. You, I mean, Devontae Graham has been nothing short of impressive. Yep. I mean, he's been... I mean, an aberration. I mean, but let's let's talk about this. He or Brandon Ingram? So Ingram, he's had a good year for the. I mean, the previous year for the Lakers, you knew he was going to be a good player, right? But we didn't you know, know if he could put up superstar numbers. You hoped. So right now he's averaging twenty six. I'm going to put the splits up. Sure. So twenty six, seven rebounds, four assists. Right. Last year he averaged eighteen, five, and four. Right. Right. So he's pretty much averaging the same amount of minutes at 34. <laughs> he's shooting a little less better. His threes got better, right? And he's right. shooting a lot better from the free throw line. Right. And obviously last year he had LeBron on his side, which doesn't help in terms of getting uh, utilization on the court, right, with the ball. Right. So it's I don't think it's that much of an increase. I think the most improved, Devontae Graham, he came out of nowhere. He averaged five points, one rebound, three assists in like 15 minutes. And this year, he came out firing 19 points, 8 assists. He's making Terry Rozier look bad. 
Well, it, I mean, listen, Terry Rozier was going to be. It's what's tough with Terry Rozier is he's never going to be able to live up to that contract, fifty-eight million, yeah, no, I believe, in three gonna, years. Yeah, like, right. it's really tough to say, you know, what type of player he is, especially when he's replacing an all-star player in Kimba Walker, which clearly was the hindrance to Devonte Graham's growth. Because <laughs> once Kimba's gone, now we get to see him thrive in the same way. Now that Brandon Ingram gets to take enough shots as a number one option, you get to see what he's able to do. Um, and, and so, you know, and I would just say just because New Orleans still has that ability, I mean, their record right now is, is nothing to write home about. But, I mean, as of late, the wins they've been able to string together, I believe, uh, what was it, 10 of the last 14 that they've been able to pull off? Um, something like that, yeah. They've I mean, been, they've been playing very well. Yeah, I mean, they've really pulled themselves out of the basement. They were down around Golden State, and now, right, you know, you're looking at a team that's four games out of the playoffs right now with a lot of season to go. And, you know, teams ahead of them, Phoenix, Portland, Memphis, and San Antonio at that eight spot right now, they all have been jockeying for position, and I think they have uh, a lot more uh, shifting that's going to go on over the course of these last, you know, the last two and a half months of this season. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that's going to be debatable in regards to most improved player, but I will say it's it's arguably the most fun award to watch because you're seeing guys who are you can also make a case for bam i mean yeah he had a he had a you know it depends on what you you prefer i thought Devontae graham i've never heard of him and last year it wasn't even a thought that uh, he would actually win or he would make an impact on the hornets right so for him to come out of nowhere, I thought that was huge. So yeah, now let's let's swing it to six man, and six man is yep. interesting because this has been such a Western Conference award for the past yeah. few years. It seems like it usually goes to whichever team you feel can <laughs> dethrone Golden State, which has been the theme the past couple of years. But yep. but now this year, you know. Do you do we keep with that same theme of it going to the most valuable player off the bench to the best team in the West or arguably the best team in the West? It's recently gone to the likes of you know Lou Williams with the with the Clippers. It's gone to Eric Gordon with the Hornets, and then it went to Lou Williams who was with the Rockets uh, a few seasons ago. And I mean, he even had it back when he was a Toronto Raptor. You know, do we keep in line? Because my thing is this. Lou Williams doesn't start a game, but he plays starter minutes. And, you know, I look at, you know, for me, and this could be a Homer record or a Homer award for me, which is why I have you on here, because when I look at a six man, I'm looking at a guy who, when called upon, can step up in a role and perform when a starter's down, but also knows how to play their role and be an asset. And honestly, I struggled with this award, but I went with the player who's the best reserved on the team with the best record, and I went with Kyle Kuzma of the Los Angeles Lakers. Especially yeah, but after he only played, ten, I think, ten games this year, right? He no, he's played more than ten at this point. He's missed a couple games due to some foot injuries, but in regards to total games missed, he's absolutely eligible. And honestly, a lot of this, a lot of this was predicated off of his performance in Oklahoma City a couple Saturdays ago. Oh, I'm sorry, last Saturday. Thirty-five games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thirty-five games. He's 35 games. 
Right, right. He's missed 35 of their, or he's played in 35 of their 44, only missing yeah. nine. Um, but, you know, when called upon to be the number one option, which he was in OKC when LeBron and AD missed a game, he had a 30-plus point performance and a good road win against a very good team. And yeah. you've seen him also have to slide in and play that number two role when, you know, AD misses his five games with the the glute contusion, and LeBron's missed a couple games as well. And so, you know, his role has had to really vary, whereas with the Clippers, you know, based off of load management, you know, those, you know, Montrez and, and Lou Williams, they're not asked to do more. They already play a lot of minutes. They already play 30-plus minutes a game. So for them to play starters minutes isn't much of a stretch, whereas actually Kyle Kuzma's numbers had been down, and his playing time had also been down as well. So that was basically my thought process when I went about trying to determine who you know would win that six-man award. So the standard pick that I had was Lou Williams, but you can also make a case, as you said, for Harrell. Uh, I had the stats up. It's 19 and 29 minutes, mm-hmm. seven uh, rebounds, two assists, and he's having a breakout year. His PER is at 23. So you can make a case for him because I didn't think he was going to pop out of nowhere, but he's made an impact for the Clippers so far. He's, and he's like the fourth leading scorer on that team. And they literally have four people that, you know, average above 19 points a game so for him to average uh 28 minutes a game i mean just a little over half a game i would give consider him or uh, lose the standard pick obviously but yeah your dark horse probably would be harold well it's interesting because when people talk about mvp award right a lot of times they say oh well so-and-so's teammate could end up canceling them out and so my question is, do we ever run into that with a six-man award, especially with a team like the Clippers with Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams both being so effective off of the bench, quote-unquote, but still playing starter minutes? Is there ever a situation where when you look at it, you say, you know what, they're not really six men. They're starters who just don't get their name introduced at the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, there's a... You can make, yeah, it's true. There has to be a limit on how many minutes you play that. Right, right. No, I, I agree. That's how you dictate that award. I think you have to be sub, I would say at least sub 28 minutes a game to be yeah, considered. And then, and then meanwhile, you got Lou Williams coming out here, winning every year. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, now, as we go to Defensive Player of the Year, you know, for fear of being a homer, I'm just going to go ahead and say Anthony Davis, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, no, I agree with you on that one. I have I had a Anthony Davis. I mean, it's like night and day, the defensive uh, switches, along with their record yeah. from last year to this year. I mean, he's made such an impact, not only offensively, but specifically on a defensive end. I mean, he takes up so much space um, as a defensive anchor for that team. And I, if DeMarcus Cousin gets um, healthy, better, I mean, it could be that they can be unstoppable. Man, I'm I'm like keeping my fingers crossed. I'm also loving what Dwight Howard's been bringing this year. He actually started tonight for the first time yeah, in a no, year and a half. He's been really good for them too. I mean, he's averaging like I think eight and eight yeah. in twenty minutes. So he's yeah. been really good. Absolutely. And now finally, uh, Javale McGee is going doing well too. You know, Javale is an interesting character because yeah. you know Javale, who's out sick tonight, is listed as their starting center. But when you look at you know, 
just I don't know. I, I Javale's interesting because he's he, they love his quirky personality and he's great for the team, but his limitations are so glaring. Like they played him at the end of the game recently uh, so in, a ga- in a game that Anthony Davis missed. Uh, oh, the Orlando game last week, last Wednesday they played the Orlando Magic. Markel Fultz drops a triple double, and the Lakers who looked awful all night and honestly the false hope that they gave by even clawing back into that game really upset me as a fan they should have just took the l and and ran with it but they made it competitive made it close even took a slight one point lead in the last four minutes of the game but you saw they were just attacking uh markel folks and nikola vucevic did this two-man game on the perimeter where they were basically picking on you know, JaVale McGee and Vucevic would spot up and knock down the three or Markel Fultz would drive to the basket and JaVale not wanting to jump off of Vucevic would basically get caught in no man's land and not be able to help alter Markel Fultz's shot when Fultz would get into the lane. So, I mean, he was just constantly, constantly getting picked on. So, you know, I, you know, JaVale McGee, great, but I would be okay if they somehow were to package he, Quinn Cook, and try to bring in Derrick Rose. <laughs> you know what's crazy about McGee, though? He's probably, he's your third most efficient player on the Lakers. His PER is at 22. I know people overrate the PER thing, but for 17 minutes a game, he's averaging seven, six rebounds, and two blocks. It's not bad. It's not bad. In small sample sizes. And that's the biggest thing. It has to be the perfect amount of the sample size. (laughs) I'm talking (laughs) four minutes in the first quarter or six minutes in the first quarter and then four to six minutes in the third quarter and then that's it. Like, there's no more JaVale. We closed down the JaVale show after that point in time. I have to say one thing. Danny Green, uh, I thought he'd do a lot better with the uh, Lakers. He's been really up and down, man. Like, he's been extremely streaky. But I I look at him and I look at Avery Bradley, who hasn't been, you know, exceptional either. And I I think their value is really going to show off in the playoffs. You know, they were brought... uh, Well, I mean, Danny Green's experience should be huge. I think Avery Bradley went deep in the playoffs as well. So they should be very intangible intangible assets when they go deep in the playoffs. Absolutely, and I think that's really the bread and butter of a lot of those veteran guys where you're going to see it pan out. It will be in the playoffs when the uh, the rotations shrink. Uh, for MVP, I went with Greek Freak, and basically my methodology in this was basically you take the team with the best record, you see the play, the best player on the team with the best record, and also he has no number two. You look at a lot of other teams, there's a number two. You know, Kawhi has a Paul George. LeBron, as we mentioned, has an Anthony Davis. Even James Harden and Russ. And then you have that backcourt in Portland of Dame and CJ. Um, I mean, you look at Boston and, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And, you know, I mean, it, Toronto's more or less a team with the sum of their parts. But still, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry are their guys. Um, I just felt... You know, and then in Miami, I mean, Jimmy Butler's not even getting love being voted on to the All-Star team. So, I mean, I don't see how you can consider him MVP either, even though there's some who could potentially make that debate. But, I mean, Greek Freak is still just, as far as sheer dominance. No, I have to agree with you on that because he's playing bar none, one of the best basketball of his, like, entire life. Uh, He's made so many strides, and every year he's made such a stride, and I feel like it's an overrated thing. Uh, overused statement we say every year, but 
you know, when you think it's all over, uh, it's not because he's constantly, I think he's averaging 30, 13, and 6 in 31 minutes, and he's probably shooting the most threes in his career. He's shooting 32%. So imagine next year, and I know everyone says, like, oh, wait till he shoots a three, and he's only going to be better. He's only, like, 25 years old, too. So, um, yeah, I can't put anyone else. I mean, you can go with James Harden, but I think the Westbrook and Harden thing has kind of strained Harden's uh, statistics. And it's also his efficiency. So Giannis is far none having an extraordinary year with the best record in the East, at least for set, you know? So I'd have to go with him. Which will be interesting because I can see him racking up MVP awards, but will he rack yeah. up championships in Milwaukee? That's the only thing that... And he seems to be one of those star players who actually cares about winning a championship. Like, you can no, tell I, I, it I bothers he him that he... Feels like he says he's like 60% up to his capacity or something like that. That's yeah. In the offseason. He genuinely cares, and I hope he stays there and make a fixture with the Bucks. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say James Harden, but I think, like, as you said, you have to count the best record in the league factor to it, too. And the Rockets, I think they've had an up-and-down season. Uh, but with that being said, they had 27-16. and 16. But he's at, he's averaging 30, almost 37 points a game. Um, I thought he was going to average 40 in this year, and I would have made him MVP. But uh, for now, I'd have to give Giannis the edge. I think the tough part with James Harden is I feel as if we've all seen this before with James. We yeah, see him just, put up yeah, incredible numbers. Scoring and whatnot, and everyone's standing around while he shoots a three. Exactly. Like, I feel like we've, we've seen this movie so many times with him that the only thing left for him to prove is that he can get over the hump and do it in the spring. And he can, you know, and his team, let's be honest, is taking a step back in regards to, you know, their, their ability to contend. So yeah. um, it'll it'll be interesting. And then we all know that, you know, 2021 is going to be the summer of the, the, the freaky summer, the summer of Giannis Antetokounmpo, where you can be a free agent. And uh, uh, the Knicks will be going after him. Well, I mean, apparently so. I mean, not everybody fits the Knicks criteria. Apparently Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis didn't. Didn't no, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go there either. Why would you? Would you <laughs> go towards Kevin Durant or, or Anthony Davis? No, no, go even go to the Knicks. Why would you want to even do that? Oh man, I mean, why? I I don't know. I mean, trust me, it's hard to make a good case. But I also think at times, you know, I, I wonder how overblown it is because my thing is, why did Amari and Carmelo want to go? I've never heard them walk away. The guys who actually went into the building walk away with the same feeling that a lot of guys who flirted with the idea but never did walk away from. Like, I look at Kate, I look at Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn's going to be with with Kyrie. Like, I'm, <coughs> excuse me. Like, I look at Kyrie and I look at KD and I'm like, I don't see how they're going to coexist. Stylistically, I, I get it. They're both supreme talents, but as far as them uh, being able to, I mean, let's be real, man. You get them in a seven-game series and they're down 2-3 going on the road, you think they're going to have the ability to trust one another to, to no, extend I, that yeah. series? Like, I, I just don't see it. You're completely right. I mean, even Irving in the regular season is causing issues Excuse with me. the team. He's saying they need more help. And to be honest, the Nets are very talented. They got Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie. They I mean, are. Lavert. I mean, I don't know what Irving was saying when he needed more help, and it's probably because Durant's out. But I feel like they could complement each other. But I, I'm worried about Irving. I think like uh, maybe he's got uh, some kind of uh, mood fluctuations during the season. But 
if he can hone it, harness all his energy in, I think he could play the right way and help the team win. But I think when he's making these comments, it's really doing a detriment to the team. I agree. My question is, you know, clearly my thing is this. I don't think Kyrie's in Brooklyn if they don't get Kevin Durant. And what I say that to say is I feel if you're choosing between who has more cachet within that organization, I still feel as if it's Kevin. And so if for some reason that relationship and pairing starts to go south, because Kenny Atkinson is a really good coach, number one. And like you said, that roster does have talent. Um, you get a healthy Kevin Durant back, and you, you'll see where he is as far as his ability, and hopefully it's uh, the KD we remember. But if that pairing starts to go south, I mean, I don't see them moving Kevin Durant. I, I see them moving Kyrie. And if no, that's, I agree. I mean, he's been even even alone in this season alone. It shows you a sample size of how much damage he can cause. I mean, this is what he did with Boston last year too. Oh man! And look at Boston now; they're doing yeah. great without him. So thriving. They swapped him and Camba. So uh, you know, we'll see what happens, how that plays out. But the Nets were playing a lot better without Irving. So uh, we'll see how it is. Uh, what it's a better, bigger sample size with Irving back. Absolutely, man. Well, Jim, thank you, man, for joining me, man. Before we get out of here, I know you're you're big into the financial game, man. So, where can the people find you on on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at well, they could just follow you, and you're follow we're following each other. But it's uh, JJM uh, Financials on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's my plug, right? That's it, man. <laughs> that was perfect, bro. Now you know, man. This was this was awesome, and and uh, I'm glad we were able to get back on here and chop it up. And you know, maybe as uh, as the playoffs are looming, man, maybe we will. Uh, I'll have to steal you away one more time, man, and get you on before the end of the season if you're cool with that. Yeah, definitely. This was this was good. I had fun, so uh, I can't wait for the next one. Absolutely, man. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and comment. Check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if there's anything we missed or anything you disagree with, please, please hit us up in the comments section. And as always, everybody, be good to one another. Take care. Peace.